0: This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Eero. Never think about Wi Fi again when you can have a brilliant, hyper fast, super simple Wi Fi system with Eero. And now the second generation Eero is tri band and twice as fast as its predecessor. For free overnight shipping to the US or Canada, visit Eero.com and at a checkout, select overnight shipping and then enter the promo code FOOL. It's Monday, January 29th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill joining me in studio today. From Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman, and from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser. Happy Monday, gents. Hey. hey, oh, yeah, hey. Happy Merger Monday. <laughs> it's back. It is back. We've, we've got news. Full force. We've got some consumer data, which is frankly a little depressing that we will get into. Also, got some exciting news about the Motley Fool College Student Award. So stay tuned for that. But we've got to start with Merger Monday. Dr. Pepper Snapple is merging with Keurig Green Mountain. That's why if you're a Dr. Pepper Snapple shareholder, you're having a good day. Shares up. This is an interesting deal for a lot of reasons. Not just the on-the-surface one of, well it's a beverage company, but now it's the sort of cold, I don't want to say dessert beverages, but just sort of the 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 soft drinks and the coffee behemoth and there're a bunch of threads here but where do you want to start Jason?
1: There are a lot of threads. I mean the Mondelēz angle right all of a sudden becomes a little bit more like a PepsiCo snack company. Um, yeah, a lot of different ways to look at this. To me, I think it's it's a fascinating merger in that it brings together two brands that consumers are pretty familiar with on their own. Yet really what these brands do probably better than anything else is partner up with really Popular, successful brands to sort of beget more success, and and um, when you when you look at Dr Pepper Snapple, and you think about Coca Cola, PepsiCo, and then Dr Pepper Snapple's is kind of that third, and it's not in a bad way. It's a good company. It's just smaller.
2: It's almost nine percent market share in the soda. Yeah,
1: you? yeah, exactly. And I think that the neat thing that Dr Pepper uh, Dr Pepper Snapple has been able to do over the past uh, several years is. In 2010, they had the wherewithal to sign some pretty important licensing deals with both Coca-Cola and PepsiCo. So while they depend on the brands that they own for success, they're also not only competing with Coke and Pepsi, but partnering with Coke and Pepsi as well. And so these were 20-year deals each with the automatic renewal after 20 years for another 20 years unless they wanted to renegotiate the deals. But but ultimately what it does is it sort of Shines a light on the big advantage in this business, which really is scale and distribution. Right, having that global ability to push this stuff stuff out to audiences everywhere, in not only competing with with Coke and Pepsi, but also. Partnering with them as uh, as as those two behemoths license some of those properties from Dr Pepper, uh, Snapple. So uh, you know, to me, I mean, yeah, there are a million different angles. We could probably talk about this deal for an hour, uh, but but that's kind let's, of my let's not. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of my my initial take on it.
2: We've got some awards to hand out, so we'll we'll hold off <laughs> yeah. on that. But uh, yeah, very interesting. I've seen a lot of people touting um, the combination of. Green Mountain Keurig Green Mountain's access to e-commerce a uh, little bit more so than what Dr Pepper Snapple brings to the table, but they have that traditional beverage distribution network. So maybe combining those give them uh, a little bit more of an advantage. Um, diversifying how they get their products to consumers, and this is just JAB, the the parent company of Green Mountain um, Keurig. Continuing its quest to chase down Nestle as the top food company in the world by sales, and maybe trying to push the news of Panera recalling their cream cheese for potential listeria contamination off the news. I saw that,
0: and I just uh, my first thought was, "Oh, Ron Shake is so happy that Panera is a private company." Yeah. Precisely, that is
1: that is a great point there. I was thinking about this morning when I read that news as well. Yeah, because
0: if you see that news and Panera is a public company. Uh, Dr. Pepper Snapple merging with Keurig is probably our second story, yeah. and our lead yeah, story sure. is shares of Panera <laughs> down, you know, eight percent. On, um, I want to go back to Coke and Pepsi for yeah. a second because they are the behemoths in this space. Both shares down a little bit today. How worried are you? They? Do you think about this? I. I, I I realize they're all in the beverage business together, but I just sort of look at this and I just, I I can't see Coke and Pepsi losing too much sleep over this.
2: Yeah, I don't think so either. I think they're probably just down because the market's down a little bit this morning. And Coke has some familiarity with Keurig and Green Mountain as they were not full owners, but they did own a. Close to twenty percent stake in that company at one point before they sold to JAB, and so they're familiar. They know that business, and they know they probably know some of the threats and competitive strengths that they're going to have to watch out for. And so I don't think that they're all too worried. Although you are watching the number three in the market make a move. So
1: yeah, I think if you're, I think Pepsi is probably less worried. I don't know the worried is the best word, but less focused on this as opposed to Coke. I think this makes Dr. Pepper Snapple a little bit more like Pepsi and and that's primarily because of the Mondelez interest here, right? It gives sort of potentially a new dynamic in snacks and whatnot, with J. B. and Mondelez owning really the majority of this company. Mm-hmm. So it helps Dr. Pepper Snapple diversify not only globally but also its product line and I think that's ultimately a good thing but but again I think Taylor Taylor's right probably Coca-Cola and PepsiCo are not really all that worried about it I think the mechanics of the deal are um, interesting on their own because I think if you read through the headline and you kinda of wonder what in the world's going on. This offer was made and now shares of Dr. Pepper's Snapple are up like one hundred and eighteen dollars, but it's only you know, they're only getting one hundred and three dollars and seventy five cents and what what is the special cash cash dividend? So essentially what's gonna happen is um one share of Dr. Pepper Snapple, shareholders are going to get $103.75 as the special dividend, and then they'll get also one share of the newly formed entity, Keurig Dr. Pepper. Uh, so there will be that publicly traded company after all of this is said and done that you can still participate in. Yeah,
2: they're not losing the upside of the deal. Right. Entirely, and given the yeah.
1: expertise bringing on JAB, those mm-hmm. guys obviously know what they're doing. So yeah. I mean, I think there's still a uh, reason here for shareholders of Dr. Pepper Snapple today. To think about, hey, maybe I want to hang on to these shares for a while and see how these guys shake for out. Sure,
2: yeah.
0: I feel a little bit bad for Snapple <laughs> because if I'm if I'm reading this correctly, and maybe I'm wrong, but I got the sense that Snapple is being dropped from the formal name of the company. That the that the formal name of the company is is going to be Dr Pepper Keurig. Yeah,
1: Dr Pepper Keurig and other things.
0: Dr right? Pepper got divorced. <laughs> yeah, that's all. And uh, is now is now married to Keurig. Well, so I that's...
1: think the 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 solution here is clear. I mean, they just need to. Throw blockchain in the name there and let's be done with it.
2: <laughs> it works for Long Island iced tea for a t- short time. Lowe's
0: is ramping up its share buyback program. Lowe's had an, an existing, has an existing 2.1 billion dollar share buyback plan, and the home improvement company just announced a new 5 billion dollar plan on top of this one. Am I wrong in thinking this is going to be? The narrative for this earnings season, which really kicks into high gear this week. Just the idea that, on top of everything else, companies are just going to be we're going to see more companies either starting new share buyback plans. Or ramping up existing ones?
2: Yeah, I think you have tax reform to thank in large part to that. Home Depot announced $15 billion in buybacks. And you look at their next three years' projection, they're going to spend about $8 billion on CapEx and $27 billion on dividends and buybacks. So a little bit different story there from the narrative that was being told to folks with tax reform that wages were going to go up, spending was going to increase. I think investors are going to be the Largest beneficiary from buybacks and dividend increases, Um, although we're at an all-time high near in the market. So, interesting to see buybacks be the choice uh, for these companies, especially to the tune of five billion for Lowe's and fifteen billion for Home Depot, among many other companies announcing similar stories. That's what that's what makes it a little tricky, doesn't
0: it, Jason? Because you look, there are companies out there that have a tremendous track record in share buybacks. But against the backdrop of the market being as high as it is yeah. and a lot of these stocks being as high as they are, even though they don't have to buy them at the, at the absolute peak, it's still not as great as when you see a company with a great track record and maybe they've hit a couple of speed bumps, their stock's down 20%, and then they come in and they say, you know what? we we know best what's happening at our company and our stock is on sale and we're buying it at a at a lower price.
1: Yeah, the burden of proof certainly becomes greater. I mean, I think if you look historically since 2013, um, Lowe's share account is down almost 25%. The stock has done very well, so it's hard to make the argument that shareholders haven't won yeah, right. you know, on the backdrop of share repurchases over that stretch. I think that Lowe's and Home Depot are two businesses in somewhat unique positions in that they're gaining credence as fairly Amazon-resistant businesses in a world where Amazon is pretty much eating everything in the retail world. and and so. And there is something to consider, at least when you look at businesses like Lowe's and Home Depot. And again, this is an authorization, so it doesn't mean they're automatically just gonna start buying back shares, but you understand right, yeah. the the impact of these share repurchases. If you look at the annualized growth rates over the last five years for Lowe's, Revenue has grown 6.2%. Net income has grown 12.3%. Earnings per share has grown at an annualized rate of 20%. Now, that is share buybacks in action right there. So, as long as they can continue to execute on the business side and buy shares back at a reasonable valuation, it's difficult to sit there and make the argument that they're doing a bad thing. But, by the same token, we have a lot of data that tells us, on the whole, companies usually get this wrong. And in at least in the short term. I bet we're going to see it with Apple later this week. <laughs> my guess is, my just, guess is you're right. You're they're going to need to change it. because I saw they're already talking about how uh, they're cutting iPhone 10 production yep. because mm-hmm. of lack of demand. It's not terribly surprising. I don't think their speaker I mean, came the, out to great fanfare. Yeah, the battery issue here. I think a lot of people are not going to be upgrading and rather getting a new battery, so they're going to have to figure out some way to change that narrative. Uh, but it's still Apple, right?
0: So. It is. Although it will be interesting to see if, in fact, they do announce a, a buyback plan later this week as part of their. Earnings report. It'll be interesting to see how high up the press release that comes, <laughs> because I think that that's that's the reading the tea leaves. If it's like if it's the lead, if, it, if it's the la- yeah, if it's the lead, like, oh boy, they might they might actually be in legitimate trouble. If it's somewhere around like ah eh, fourth or fifth, like oh okay, and if it's dead last, you're like oh they're just hitting a speed bump, they're fine. Uh, before we go on, I want to say thanks again to Eero for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. Eero, E E R O, never think about home Wi-Fi again. They just introduced the second-generation Eero and Eero Beacon. They started in early 2016. and Since then, they've learned from hundreds of thousands of systems, making them smarter, faster, and more reliable. The new second-generation Eero and Eero Beacon allow you to build a Wi-Fi system that's more perfectly tailored to your home than ever before more speed and range in the same high-quality, elegant design that people have come to expect. And this newest version is now tri-band and twice as fast as its predecessor, which probably makes the predecessor really feel bad about itself. It lets you do more simultaneously in every room of your home. And with the addition of the new Thread Radio, Eero can connect to low-power devices such as locks, doorbells, other sensors, and more. Expanding your coverage in any room is easy with the Eero Beacon. Simply plug it into a wall, and you're covered. You can add as many beacons as you want. And if there's an outlet, there's Wi-Fi. Our man behind the glass, Dan Boyd, he's got the Eero system in his home. Super easy to set up. And you can get free overnight shipping to the U.S. or Canada. Just visit Eero.com. That's e-e-r-o.com, And at checkout, select overnight shipping, and then enter the promo code FOOL to make it free. Thanks to Euro for their support. Consumer spending data is out for December, and I guess we shouldn't be surprised, consumer spending rising in December, leading into the holidays. Not a surprise. What is a little bit of a surprise and definitely a disappointment, the savings rate hitting a 12year low, Jason. Come on, America!
1: Womp, womp.
0: This is why we can't have nice things.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. I mean,
2: or I, it's why you have too many nice things. Kind of I mean. like
1: exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, that's the problem. I mean, like you. I mean, it's it's unfortunately not very surprising, terribly disappointing, and. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack here. I mean, I feel like I was thinking about this earlier when I was reading this, and sort of the cognitive dissonance there. And they're like, you want to get rich yet shun accumulating wealth. It's like everybody wants to be rich, but they don't want to do the hard work of actually getting there. (laughs) And like if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. I'm not saying it's easy, but but it's certainly something that you need to think about. And we talked about this data before Um, when we look at saving. And I think employment is generally the easiest way to go through. Uh, with this in utilizing a 401k or something like that. If you don't have a 401k, you need to just set up your own IRA and have part of your paycheck automatically go in that. According to U.S. Census data, 79% of American workers have the option to take advantage of funding a 401k, but only 41% of us actually choose to participate. And that, obviously, is not good. Um, Encouraging, I think, is that more companies are actually automatically signing employees up and kind of forcing you to go in there and opt out. Mm -hmm. Then you can Kind of, maybe take a second look at is this really a decision I need to be making? Uh, I mean, it's also worth wondering. I mean, like if the savings rate is this low, I mean, have we kind of hit a ceiling on consumer spending? Because it seems like a lot of people are spending money that they either saved or on credit. Definitely on credit. Probably not a whole (laughs) heck of a lot left to be spent. So, um, all in all, yeah, not not so great.
2: Yeah, I saw some pretty startling numbers the other day. Looking at just like overall debt levels across student loans, almost one and a half trillion dollars. Auto loans, one point three trillion. Mortgage debt, ten trillion. Total household debt, thirteen and a half trillion. And uh, very interesting chart I saw um, the other week: credit card debt growth over an annualized period, moderated around the seven and a half percent per year from like mid twenty sixteen to mid twenty seventeen, and then. Ratcheted up to above 20% annualized growth in credit card debt uh, towards the end of 2017. So it's like it was off the charts compared to the last five to six years annualized growth and uh, very worrisome, especially when coupled. I didn't see the savings rate until you guys mentioned that earlier this morning, but over a decade low in savings rate. I love that companies
0: are starting to force new employees to opt out of uh their 401k plan. It's a good nudge. It's a good nudge and it's it it gives you the option but it's it it just switches the option. Mm-hmm. So for anyone who says, well, you know, that's a little big brotherish and I don't you know, it's it's my paycheck, don't tell me what to do with it. It's like, no, 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 you can do it. But we're just going to we're just going to make sure that uh, we're we're just switching this situation where it's like, oh no, you can absolutely have it, but you have to proactively want it. And what would be amazing is if um, major employers started to tout this. If they, like, well, if, by they, the way, if they just came out like like a Walmart, which has hundreds of thousands of salaried employees, mm-hmm. and maybe they already do that. I'm just I just picked the biggest. Employer in the United States, but uh, but that would be great if some of those really large companies could start to just say, come out and say that. Oh, by the way, we're here's what here's our little part of trying
1: to fix this. Yeah, I feel like they could change the conversation. I mean, the big brotherish aspect, that sort of perspective. I do understand that. I mean i I think really though, what it really is focused on though is is exploiting two. Very predominant human qualities in ignorance and laziness, and I'm mm-hmm. not saying that to be facetious. Here. I'm it's not. Honest. I'm not kidding around. I'm <laughs> yeah. Like, generally speaking, people are lazy when it comes to doing this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They just, well, I'll do it later. They procrastinate. They never do it. It's paperwork. And, well, exactly. And then ignorance, and not actually understanding what it all means and how it works. Yep. And and that obviously is why he, why we have a job and, and what we try to do in sort of helping educate folks like this. So I I do like that. Um, Forcing you to opt out versus making you opt in. I think forcing you to opt out at least makes you take that step of educating yourself somewhat and if you can actually take a look at that for a second and realize what exactly is going on, then you realize, whoa, maybe I shouldn't do it, right? And maybe if they the companies that
2: match, if they say you're opting out of free money or basically a pay raise because we're gonna match whatever you put in there by a few percent, like you're you're basically throwing money away right off the bat. Yeah.
0: You know what? Let's, let's wrap up on a fun note. Let's give away some money. How about that? OK, and I like even, that. Even better, it's not our money. it's the com- Even
1: better! It's the
0: company's <laughs> and it's money. it's the college it's kids, empty. right? <laughs> yes. It's the Motley Fool $10,000 college student award. This is uh, open to all people over the age of 18 who are attending college. Um, competition. Uh, the first place winner gets $10,000. There are 20 runners-up can win $1,000 each. Uh, to enter, all you need to do is write a 500- to 1,000-word article uh, on one of the prompts listed. It's a writing contest. Uh, and it ends April 30th of this year, so you got some time. So, again, 500- to 1,000-word article. and I'll, I'll just tell you right now, for anyone listening who's in college and thinking, I'm going to enter this contest, you want to, if nothing else, hit that range because our editors are sticklers. and If it's 499 words or 1,003 words, you're going to get dinged. So, hit that 500 to 1,000 word range. Um, terms and conditions apply. This is the lawyers making me say this. Terms and conditions <laughs> apply. Please visit fullcom slash competition for more details. So, there you go.
2: That's awesome.
0: That is awesome. It's fun. I like that we're doing it. And uh, and again, the most important thing is uh, it's the company's money we're giving away, not ours. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jason Moser, Taylor Muckerman thanks for being here, guys. Cheers. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.